welcome to Sports with a Cuppa. Cheers. Oh, good diddly squat coffee. All right. <clears throat> so, start off with college football. We got the national championship game Monday. Um, had my heart broken by Washington knocking out UT. Uh, but, you know, Penix Jr. made me a believer. That was one of the most impressive displays of quarterbacking in college football I've ever seen. I don't watch a ton, but that was just impressive. I, don't, I am not easily impressed. But the way he was throwing the ball, the accuracy he had going downfield, great chemistry with his receiving core, able to make all the plays. Very impressive. Michigan knocked out Alabama. That made me happy. Excuse me. But they they really struggled to get going offensively. Their running game is nice. And Washington did struggle to stop the run against UT. But you know, in football, some most of the time it comes down to needing to be able to make a throw. The big throw. And I I just like Washington. Like they, they really made me believe and I I, I gotta go with Washington. You know, and maybe it's because I just saw boys in the boat about the 36 rowing team from Washington. I don't know. But I, I, I just can't get over that display of quarterbacking. And what's even crazier is you, know, you go look at a mock draft like I prefer Tankathon. He's the fourth quarterback taken and he's down the board in like seventh to Atlanta, which would be a great get for Atlanta to pair him with Bijan Robinson. That'd be huge. But I can't believe he's the fourth best quarterback. Like I know Caleb Williams two years ago had a great year, Heisman Trophy winning year, and this year Jaden Daniels got it from LSU. I mean, 40 touchdowns and four interceptions, that's hard to argue against. But two years in a row, Penix Jr.'s thrown over 4,600 yards. His interceptions are a little high, around eight. But, I mean, if he goes on and wins the national championship, you got to think he goes up the board a little bit, especially over, you know, I can't remember his name from North Carolina. But, but I also, I wonder sometimes, do the scouts almost... I don't know what I say. Uh, um, I want to say under value, but when a, there's a really good quarterback on the best team, the best quarterbacks usually don't even come from national championship winning programs. So I wonder if scouts look at that and think, you know, he's good, but maybe it's because he's got the best team. You know, if you look at Bryce Young right now at Carolina. Had a great team in Bama, and now, I mean, I get the whole Panthers team as a whole is pretty bad, but usually a good quarterback can get you a win or two, or at least more than a win or two. I think they got like one or two. So now it really comes down to you know, just who scouts really believe in. 
and it's a great class for quarterbacks. Caleb Williams is solid. Jaden Daniels is solid. Penix Jr. is solid. I mean, and, you know, it's still a little early out, but, you know, it's going to be a great conversation of figuring out do the Bears take a quarterback at one and move on from fields? Do they take another position at one or do they trade the pick? So that's going to be a fun conversation, but we still have a few months before the draft in April. Uh, moving on, Cowboys. <laughs> I I don't even know what to say about that Lions game. They don't deserve that win. I don't fully understand what the hell happened at the end of the game. I had turned the game off. The guy caught the ball on the two-point conversion. I turned the game off. I was, okay, I accepted that. That's, you know, Great play. Kudos. So I didn't even see what happened. I just watched replays. and I don't know, but now they're, they're in a huge, huge position to create a massive advantage for themselves. Go out and beat Washington. You win the division. You get home field for at least a couple of games. Because we already know they can't go on the road. <laughs> and it, and if you get lucky and the 49ers, you know, wet the bed, maybe you host the NFC Championship game. This is... Probably, if they can beat Washington, they're going to be in the best position they've been in in a long time to go on to the Super Bowl, to make that run. Will they make the run? I don't know. They can't stop the run, and they're not running the ball well. You've got to be able to do both those things in the playoffs. So, I don't know. And if they see Detroit again, you know Detroit's going to want to get after them. But I, f- I feel good about them versus pretty much anybody else. Except for San Francisco. I, I think Baltimore's going to smoke everybody, but that's just me. But they... I, I, I don't see a way they lose the game in Washington. I mean, that's a meltdown of epic proportions if they lose that game. But they got to take advantage of this. I mean... It's almost—it's like the football gods have said, you know what, y'all deserve a break. Here it is. Now take advantage of it. And we'll see if they can. Uh, before I move on to the Spurs, the second game last night was interesting. Uh, Denver-Golden State. It was interesting because Denver was pretty much handling business and then the third quarter Golden State just went off built a what an 18 point lead but then yeah it was like a a 20 point difference it was like 44 to 24 in the third quarter and then with about 5 minutes to go almost 6 minutes to go Denver just clamps down they, the Golden State only scored four points. I believe it was only like four points. And then Joker with just a stupid sh- good shot. I I feel bad for Looney because there was just nothing else he could do. 
and he I think he it banked in. But it made me think about what you know Charles and Shaq were arguing about on TNT about championship teams. It, well, the argument was about you know getting key championship teams get key defensive stops, but to Charles's point, you have to be doing the the right things on defense all the time to be able to get those key stops, and I think that's what separates Denver from a lot of teams is that first half they played the kind of defense that leads up to getting those stops in the fourth quarter. Third quarter they they forgot what how to play basketball. But the fourth quarter they showed what their quality is. Cause Golden State had a nice game. You know, Clay Thompson was looking like Clay Thompson. You know, he finished with twenty four points, fifty percent shooting, four ten from three, but still a nice outing from him. Curry had thirty. Kaminga chipped in with sixteen. I mean Sarge had a really nice game too. So it's not like they were playing against scrubs. But Denver just showed what separates them. Couple that with the fact that they had the best big man in basketball and he hit a crazy shot to win the game. They go to overtime, who knows? I don't want to give Steph Curry another five minutes, personally, especially when he's at home. And now the debate is, is Golden State done? At this point, they're not done-done. Because I think a young, up-and-coming team does not want to see them in the playoffs. Like, the Thunder don't want to see Golden State in the first round. Minnesota, the Pelicans don't want to see Golden State in the first round. Dallas doesn't want to see Golden State in the first round. I think Minnesota can handle it because of the battles they had last year. The battle they had last year with Denver. They kind of grew as a group. I mean, the Thunder have plenty of talent to win a seven-game series against the Warriors, but that experience, if Clay Thompson's right and Draymond's back and he's playing right, and you got Steph, I mean, you just don't want to see them. You really don't. Especially when you haven't been there before. Like, okay, see, they're going to be hosting, more, more than likely they'll be hosting their first playoff series with this group. The Pelicans maintain where they are. They'll be in the playoffs. Who knows where exactly. I mean, the Warriors got to make the playoffs first. Let's be honest, the West is pretty stacked. They're beating up on each other. And right now, the Warriors are on the outside looking in, and it's tough to see a team that they can just clearly um, step over to get into the plan because you got the Lakers right in front of them. Phoenix is in front of them. Houston's in front of them. Dallas is right in front of them. And barring injuries, you don't really see any of those teams dropping off except for maybe Houston just because of the inexperience from most of that squad, but they have those veterans. So it's quite possible Golden State misses the playoffs completely. I I don't want to say I they won't. It's 
<laughs> at this point it's just 50 50 and the biggest question is if they don't make the playoffs what do you do clay is a free agent draymond is draymond steph's getting older you don't have a lot of youth on that team that's developing and helping even though kaminga is really starting to become a really nice player Pajemski was a great draft pick. I really liked Pajemski. I liked him coming out of college. Damn the Warriors for making that pick. But I don't think there's enough there to keep that run going. They're going to have to get another guy in there that's better than Clay. Better than, like, they're going to need a second star to come in there. And I just, I don't know who they're going to go get. To be honest. I, I don't I don't see that move out there. At least at the moment. Uh, gotta see how the rest of the season shakes out and see who's going to be selling at the deadline. But it's really going to be the offseason that they're going to have to make some kind of moves. Probably a good idea just to move on from Clay and Draymond. Honestly. I, Draymond brings a lot to the table for that team. He helps run the offense, brings that defensive intensity, but the distractions are probably becoming too much. And Clay, we don't know where his head's at from game to game. He's gonna he wants a lot of money. And I I think a sign and trade to bring in somebody else to help Steph. Because you can still build with and around Steph. He's still unbelievable. Shooting is the last skill set that goes he may not be as fast shifty strong hell he may not even be as smart as he used to be but he'll always be a deadly shooter but still got ways to go before we have to answer those questions but let's move on to spurs a couple things to touch on so last night was the best game of the year for the Spurs. They lost, but it was they finally showed the fight that they showed last season. Um That's been the biggest disappointment for me this year is that the group just as a whole hasn't been as competitive and hasn't fought as hard as last season. Granted all the teams around them have gotten better. They've had a year to to more together, so it's tougher now. But the fight they showed was very, very impressive. It gives me a lot of hope going forward. And I know people don't like to talk about moral victories and things, but if certain guys can just take from last night and help it propel them forward. That'd be great. You know, Devin hitting all the t- different kinds of shots. Not just hitting threes, but those cr- really nice, like, left-handed reach-around layups that were nice. He's attacking the basket more. He still hasn't quite found specific spots he can get to to hit high percentage shots like shots that he knows he can hit nine times out of ten but I like what he said 
the other day about watching film with the coaches and seeing where he can get his shots, seeing them how he can take advantage of mismatches. Uh, I don't expect him to be a 30-point-per-game guy, but if he can be in the 20s, I think he's got the skill set to get in the 20s, especially if he does, like what Sean Elliott says, get to the free-throw line more. That'll be huge. Keldon really settling into that six-man role, having some big performance. He struggled in the first half. It comes in right away, and he goes right to being aggressive. He doesn't even start out with threes like he normally does. Problem is he was running into, like, Brooke Lopez, and that's a brick wall. And even though he's not that athletic, he still has long arms and has great timing on blocking shots. So Keldon struggled to get going in the first half, but then we saw what he did in the second half, and he was awesome. And the aggression from Victor all night long was what he needs to do every night. Granted, we're not going to get those spectacular plays every night, but just the pure aggression. Because that aggression leads to free throws, and in the last five games, he's hit 21 of 25. His free throw shooting is outstanding, almost 80%. Which leads me to have hope that he will become a more efficient three-point shooter. Maybe not right away, but it's there. He's almost he's like Bruce Bowen in reverse right now. Good free throw shooter, poor three-point shooter. But we have hope that he will be more efficient at some point. Now, Chet Holmgren won Rookie of the Month again, which is interesting. Uh, it seems like right now, whoever votes on this thing obviously aren't the most intelligent people, but I, that, that, I'm not going to get nasty about it. But I'm going to I'm going to defend my guy. Chad Holmgren's having a nice year. He's leading his team in blocks and rebounds, as is Victor. And OKC is second in the West, primarily because of Shea Gilgeous Alexander and his 31 points per game. But they seem to be rewarding Chet Holmgren in the Rookie of the Year race for their record, because of their record. Okay, fine. Forget the fact that Victor leads in every rookie category except for shooting percentages. Forget that he actually leads the entire league in blocks per game. Let's just forget about all that. OKC's having a great year. Chet's a Chet is a reason is a reason for that, not the reason. Because you take Shea Gilders off that team, OKC is where the Spurs are. Period. But okay, whatever. And you know what? At this point, give Chet the rookie of the year. I I had him as the favorite going in because he had that year to sit, and he has a star in front of him. He has less pressure, and the game's easier for him. Cool. Victor's going to go do something that nobody has done, that no teenager has done. He's going to win Defensive Player of the Year. There is no reason right now, if he continues the way he is, that he doesn't get Defensive Player of the Year. Lean the league in blocks. 
He's two and a half rebounds behind in the league leader for rebounds. And chip in one and a half steals. Jaron Jackson Jr. last year got Defensive Player of the Year, averaging seven rebounds, one steal, and three blocks. Victor is eclipsing all of those numbers. Ten rebounds, a steal and a half, 3.2 blocks. Blocks are about the same, but still more. I, I don't see how you don't give him defensive player. If he ends up with those kinds of numbers, 10-11 rebounds, over three blocks, over a steal, that's better than Jaron Jackson Jr.'s Defensive Player of the Year campaign last year. And not only does that get him Defensive Player of the Year, that's going to be def- all-defensive team. First, first team, all-defensive team. So check and have Rookie of the Year. Victor's still going to make history. But I, I'm, I sound biased, and I am a little biased, and I am going to stick up for my guy. But the facts are in the numbers. Forget about the shooting percentages. Forget about points per game, which he's averaging more than Jaron Jackson Jr. did last year. He's averaging more rebounds, more steals, and more blocks. You have to go back three years ago to find someone to find a defensive player of the year that averaged more rebounds. Still didn't average more. Rudy Gobert three years ago averaged 13 and a half rebounds, half a steal, and two and a half blocks. So only the rebounds are even better. I mean, honestly, looking at defensive player of the year numbers from the past couple decades. Only really Dwight Howard is putting up comparable numbers. And I, I mentioned this the last time. That 2010-2011 season for Dwight Howard. He's putting up the numbers like what Victor's doing. He averaged 14 rebounds, one and a half steals, and just under three blocks. And here's the other thing. He's he did that at 25 years old at almost at 37 and a half minutes. Imagine if Victor played 35 minutes. His numbers would be stupid. <laughs> so that's where I stand on these rookie ladders and rookie of the year races and rookie of the months. If they want to give Chet a bunch of credit for that OKC record, okay, fine. I get your reasoning. It's kind of stupid, but whatever. I'll get over it. But the other thing that we noticed coming out of last night's game, Trey Jones finally starting. He should have been starting from the get-go, but whatever. How much easier he made the game for Victor, I don't know. Because so many of Victor's great plays, he kind of made him for himself. Uh, unfortunately, the one play that's going to stick out and for most people is Trey Jones missing the tying three at the end of the game. Look, Victor made the right play. 
unfortunately, he had one of the worst three-point shooters on the team in the corner. But the one thing you don't want Victor to do is stop trusting your teammates. And plus, after the play, he goes right to Trey and talks to him. So he showed good leadership in that moment. Uh... Yeah, I just I, I, it brings me back to when a, a year or so ago it was, I think it was before last year. I was screaming for the Spurs to send Trey to the G League for just a little bit longer, just send him down there and shoot ten to fifteen threes a night, and just get consistent, but tweak, make tweaks, get comfortable, and figure it out. But they didn't do that. Not, not that he didn't do a good job as a starting point guard last year, but we knew, we already knew he just—he's not a good shooter. We know that. And the problem going forward is, if you're gonna play with Victor, you're gonna need to be able to hit shots. And missing shots is part of the game. I'm not gonna get on people for missing shots, but I am gonna get on people for missing wide open shots. Champagne is inconsistent. He's missing open shots. Trey missing open shots. Jeremy Sohan, a couple minutes before Trey's shot last night, missed a wide open three. Those are the ones you cannot miss. Force having to force up tough shots, or you know, there's a good contest on your shot, you miss. Okay, but when you're standing there wide open, you have to make that shot. And that's those are the guys that Victor's going to need around him going forward. So if, if Trey can't develop that shot for the rest of this year, I don't know. They're gonna have to figure something out. And the thing is, when you look at the draft next year, I've I've lightly looked at, I've watched some film. The top point guard prospects, yeah, they can they they're all a little different. They can make plays, they're good passers. But none of them are very good shooters. They're capable, but none of them... It's not their calling card. Let's put it like that. They all have good size, good handles, can make plays. You know, Collier is strong, Toppich is tall. They're both capable of shooting, but they don't shoot high percentages. We'll see what Toppich does now that he's moved on to the EuroLeague. And obviously Collier has the rest of the season. Hopefully the tournament. But shooting is important going forward. And being able to knock down open shots is going to be extremely important because as Victor gets better and better, whether you know he's going to draw a lot of double teams, but he's also going to have defenses cheating over. So while they may not be wide open, wide open, they're going to have good looks, and you have to be able to shoot. And right now, on this team, we only have three or four guys that can legitimately do it on a consistent basis. Devin, Keldon, Doug, and Chetty. Malachi to an extent, but he can be a little consistent at times, too. But it's, it's not just... I know they prefer to find these guys in the draft. 
but they may not be there. So they're going to have to figure out where they're going to find them. Whether it's free agency, trade, not for star players. They're not going to sign and trade for star players. But someone that, guys that can hit those open shots, you can find just about anywhere. You just got to look. Even the G League, there's guys in the G League that can knock down those open shots. Yeah, I really like Stevenson in, with Austin. He can knock down open shots, and he's a fantastic athlete and rebounder. Just saying. Give him a shot. But other than that, you know, I thought Dom played well until Blake whacked him in the face. He was playing hard, hit all his shots, really developing well. I love that Blake is playing. I, I feel bad Malachi is having to miss time with the ankle injury, but Blake needs to play, man. Because I'll still, I've said it, I don't know if I've said it on here, but I know I've said it to others. And I'll say it again. Out of the three rookies we drafted in the first round two years ago, I still think Blake could end up being the best one out of the bunch. His shots are developing. He's slowing down. He's making better decisions. But his defense is going to elevate him above everybody else. He's the only one on this team I've seen actually stay in front of somebody. So I look for him to... At some point, maybe solidify himself as the backup point guard. But I'd love to see him get more run with Vic. That could be interesting. But I think we'll wrap it up there. Good stuff going on. Spurs have Cleveland next, so that's Victor versus Jared Allen. Should be a good matchup. See what the Cowboys do against Washington. See if Washington wins the national championship. But appreciate the listen. Follow the show on Twitter. Swack Official Pod, Instagram, Sports with a Couple, a bunch of underscores in there, and go figure it out. And I will talk to you soon.